0: Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. On July 17, 2015, I helped some friends move into their new house. We moved most of the day, and I remember it being a hot July day, and my core temperature rose high enough to cause a severe reaction in my system, in my body. And when I got home that evening, all the Gatorade I drank and all the water I drank just kept coming right back up. And on top of that, I felt like someone was just hitting me in the head as hard as they could every five seconds. Well, this lasted another hour, and so I called the nurse, and they said, you need to get to the emergency room immediately, because you might be having a stroke. So I, off I went. Becky met me there, and after IVs and tests, all was well about eleven o 'clock that night, guess who came to see me? Alan Hawkins, after about a 15 hour work day, and I knew he had to get up early the next morning because I knew he had a 6 am meeting, 11 am after a long day, he came to check in. He was incredibly kind, caring, prayed over me. Servant leadership. About an, um, on November 4th, 2017, Benjamin Wall and I were driving back from Washington, D.C. area from our diocese regional retreat. Some of you may remember a couple of years ago I was having a nosebleed problem. And uh, just what happened frequently. And all the way back from Greensboro from Washington, D.C., over seven hours, my nose would not stop bleeding. So as soon as we got to Greensboro, Benjamin took me to the emergency room, and he was my friend and my advocate. They stopped the bleeding, but I was needed to stay there for a while longer, a couple hours to make sure that everything was going to be okay, and Benjamin just sat with me, cared for me, until time to go home. Servant leadership. Tonight we gather, we gather on Monday, Thursday, to remember the greatest servant of all, Jesus Christ. The night we, this night we remember that Jesus established the Eucharist at the Last Supper, and he washes the disciples' feet Remember soon after he washes his feet that he gives them a new commandment, as we read about in John 13, 34 through 35, where he says, A new commandment that I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all men know that you are my disciples, by your love for one another. It's where the word monity comes from. Malat the word, mandatum, meaning mandate or commandment. So this evening, I want to just briefly walk through with you parts of John 13 in this passage so we may learn to follow Jesus' mandate, Jesus' commandment, together. John 13:1 it starts, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus knew his, his hour had come. His hour was to be, crucif- to be crucified and resurrected was here. He knew he would soon ascend back to the Father and his days on earth were coming to a close. He knew his last few hours with the disciples were crucial, like his last words in a deathbed. In his final hour, Jesus Christ models and teaches his disciples the essence, the core truths of what he wants them to know before he leaves them. This is the one reason why John 13 through 17 is one of the weightiest passages for us to look at and and study as disciples of Jesus Christ. They're his last words before his death. And notice in verse 1, the latter part of the chapter, the verse, it says that having loved his own, he loved them to the end. So we know that what happens following these verses is all about love. Jesus' love for his disciples and his love for you and me. Verse 2 picks up. It says, during supper. John doesn't talk a whole lot about Passover and his gospel. The other gospels do emphasize that a lot more, but he had a different emphasis in his gospel. But we do know that Jesus and his disciples eat the Passover meal, and Jesus institutes the Eucharist with the words, This is my body, broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you, and for many, that you may have forgiveness and eternal life. Jesus is the true Passover lamb who is sacrificed for our sins and when Jesus died at 3 p.m. on Friday this is the same time the Passover lambs would have been sacrificed in the temple. But let's not rush too quickly to Good Friday or too quickly to Easter because what happens on this night on Thursday night is crucial. Notice in verse 3 it says Jesus And it says three things, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going back to God. So before he begins to act, John wants us to know there's three things that are going on in the mind of Jesus. Why is this here? Why does John take the time to help us see his thoughts? Maybe this is what empowers us to do the same knowing who we are, knowing our assurance or having assurance of our identity in Jesus Christ, and knowing that our eternal home is in his presence, in his glory. And look, continuing the passage, John 4 through John 5 begins the event of what happens. And notice all the verbs that are here. It says, He rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments, he takes on a towel, taking a towel, tied it around his waist, and he poured water into the, round his waist, and he, excuse me, then he poured water into the basin, began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around them. Why all these verbs? It's like, it's like it's, John wants to slow down, to slow motion, so that we can see what's happening clearly. The verbs, he rose, he laid aside, takes a towel, ties it around his waist, pours water into a basin, washes, wipes. Can you picture this? John slows it down so that we can allow these verbs, his action, to sink deeply into our imagination, to sink deeply into our heart, that it may grab a hold of us. Jesus serves the disciples in one of the lowliest tasks of a household servant. The disciples would not wash each other's feet. This is one of the most humbling jobs of a servant. Peers do not wash one another's feet. There is not an instance in either Jewish literature or Greco-Roman sources of a superior ever washing the feet of an inferior. This was unheard of. But Jesus Christ, the promised divine king, the Messiah, God incarnate, stoops down and washes their feet. The one before whom every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the, under the earth, and every tongue shall confess his Lord, washes their feet. The one to whom at this very moment thousands upon thousands of angels are surrounding his throne, declaring worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. This is the very one who cleans dirty, smelly, Stinky feet The one who spoke the heavens and the earth into existence The one for whom all things were created for The one who is supreme above all things And in him all things hold together Does what no leader had ever done before And he even washes the feet of Judas The one who in just a few moments will betray him Turn him over to the authorities to be tortured and crucified as we continue to read down, we see in verse 6 through 11 that Peter struggling with all of this. This, this, is some, this is too much for him to bear. And we see how Jesus responds. But look at verse 12. He brings it back to their attention. And it says, after he does all this, Jesus asks, Do you understand? The Gospels are full of times where the disciples just didn't get it. They did not understand, did not grasp what Jesus Christ was trying to teach them. And Jesus wants to make sure they get this. This is too important for you to miss, guys. My time with you is not much longer. And I, as your teacher, your rabbi, your king, I stoop down to do the lowly and humbling task of the lowest of servants. And I want you to do the same for each other. And for the ones that you will lead in the future. If I wash your feet, you also ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you example. You should do just as I have done to you. Serve one another in all your needs, not just physical or bodily needs, but according to verse 10, needs of the heart, needs of the spirit, needs of the whole person. Jesus especially points out helping each other becoming clean through repentance and forgiveness when they sin. A new commandment that I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, by your love for one another. And that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It means to love. It means to serve each other in the lowliest and most humbling of tasks. We're ending a season of Lent on Easter Sunday. Lent is a time of stripping, a time we enter into the desert with Jesus, a time that we enter the desert of our own hearts and lives. It's a time of seeking that we may be able to see and confess and repent of what rules our lives instead of God and what keeps us from God. And the goal of all this, the goal of Lent, the goal of the spiritual life is emptying ourselves Of our self-absorbed ego, our drivenness to be in control, our incessant need for validation and affirmation, our attempts to prove ourselves by our performance or the position that we have, our compulsive anxiety to be somebody, our scrambling to sustain our fragile, self-consumed egos. The goal is for us to empty ourselves of all these so that we may be filled with Christ and his humble love. So where does Lent take us? Lent is a means of being emptied of our self-absorbed ego to lose its power over us so that we may be filled afresh with Jesus Christ and his rule and his reign, his humility and his love, and become servants the way he serves Lent is a time of emptying of self-love, so we can be filled with Christ and his love. We cannot have two masters. And when we are filled with Jesus, his truth and his grace, when we know who we are, we know our identity in Christ, and our future with Christ, we can break away from the lives of self-importance and self-love and give our lives away in humble service to others. According to verse 17, this is the way of a blessed life. Not just knowing, but living a life of kind and humble service in the empowerment that Jesus gives through his Holy Spirit indwelling us. And not just serving in ways that fit our comfort or our gifts, or our desires, but looking and seeing the needs around us and stepping in as a servant of Jesus Christ and meeting the needs in love. The focus is not us. It is the people around us. The focus is one of honor, honoring others above ourselves and humbling ourselves through serving. As I come to a close, I want to ask a simple question. What do you want to be known for? What do you want to be known for? For your position of power or influence, achievements that you've accomplished, wealth you've acquired. May we keep the mandate of Jesus to love like Jesus and the power of Jesus indwelling us through his Holy Spirit, to live as humble servants to each other, to Greensboro, to the world around us. May we be known for our humble, kind, sacrificial, cleaning, stinky feet, love. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.